Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Monday, January 8th. We're looking at Trump's balancing act between the courtroom and the campaign trail as the 2024 voting week approaches and congressional negotiators reaching an agreement on a $1.6 trillion government spending level for 2024. Plus, a Senate group is edging closer to a proposal aimed at securing the southern border. And Jeff Landry is inaugurated as Louisiana's 57th governor with a strong message. This coverage and more, up next. Welcome to Current Radio's Politics Station. Please enjoy today's selection of political news. As the 2024 election season heats up, former President Donald Trump is using his legal battles as a platform for his campaign. This is a unique strategy, to say the least. Let's bring in Abby, our political correspondent, to discuss this further. Abby, what's your take on this? Well, Michael, Trump's strategy is indeed unique. He's turning his legal entanglements into a narrative of political persecution, which resonates with his base. He's facing 91 criminal charges across four separate cases, yet he's still a strong frontrunner for the Republican nomination. This is largely due to his refusal to accept the constraints of the rule of law, which appeals to his disaffected grassroots supporters. So it seems like Trump's legal troubles are actually helping him in some ways. How are his rivals like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley responding to this? They're in a difficult position, Michael. They're trying to disqualify Trump as a strong nominee but they're also wary of alienating GOP voters who still sympathize with him. Both DeSantis and Haley have accused Trump of running scared, but they've stopped short of openly rebuking him over his behavior on January 6, 2021, or casting him as a threat to democracy. Interesting. Now let's talk about President Biden's response to all this. He's warned that Trump could destroy U.S. democracy if he wins in November. Is this a valid concern? It's certainly a concern, Michael. Trump's audacious tendency to rewrite truth and history for his personal gain is a threat to democracy. His refusal to accept the results of the 2020 election and his calls for retribution against his enemies suggest that he would be an even more untamed force in a second term. Biden's warnings of a democracy in peril are not unfounded. And how is Trump responding to Biden's warnings? Trump has accused Biden of being a threat to democracy because of his incompetence. He's also accused Biden of screwing with our elections and weaponizing the DOJ and FBI. These accusations are part of Trump's strategy to portray himself as a victim of political persecution. It's clear that this election season is going to be fraught with tension and controversy. Now, let's shift our focus to congressional leaders who have reached a bipartisan agreement setting a federal spending level of approximately $1.6 trillion for the year. However, this deal has been met with criticism from some conservatives. Abby, our correspondent for Current, is here to provide us with more details. Abby, what can you tell us about this development? Thanks, Michael. The deal was reached on Sunday, but it's not without its detractors. Some conservatives have voiced their opposition and it's unclear whether the legislation will pass quickly enough to prevent a government shutdown. So what's the timeline here? How long does Congress have to pass these funding bills? Congress is under a tight deadline. They have less than two weeks to draft the necessary bills to fund the government. 
Several federal agencies are set to run out of money later this month, with the rest to follow in February. It's a tall order, especially considering Congress's recent struggles to pass major legislation on time. What are the potential consequences if Congress doesn't meet this deadline? If Congress doesn't pass these funding bills on time, we could be looking at a government shutdown. This would mean that non-essential federal services would be halted and federal employees would be furloughed or forced to work without pay. It's a situation that everyone wants to avoid. And what's the likelihood of a shutdown? Has there been any indication from lawmakers about their confidence in meeting this deadline? It's hard to say at this point, Michael. While the bipartisan agreement is a positive step, the criticism from conservatives and the tight timeline make the situation uncertain. We'll have to wait and see how things unfold over the next couple of weeks. Well, it's certainly a situation we'll be keeping a close eye on. Now let's turn our attention to a recent development where a bipartisan group of senators is aiming to release a proposal to tighten U.S. border laws. Abby, our correspondent, is here to discuss this. Abby, what can you tell us about this proposal? Michael, the details of the proposal are still under wraps, but it's clear that the senators are keen on taking action. Senator James Lankford, a Republican from Oklahoma, was quite vocal about the need for Congress to pass legislation to improve the situation at the border. It's interesting to see bipartisan efforts in such a divided Congress. What are the potential challenges this proposal might face? Well, Michael, any proposal on border laws is likely to face intense scrutiny and debate. Immigration is a deeply divisive issue, and reaching a consensus in a sharply divided Congress will be a significant challenge. Furthermore, the details of the proposal will play a crucial role in determining its fate. If the proposal is seen as too lenient or too harsh, it could face opposition from either side of the aisle. That's a good point, Abby. It's a delicate balance to strike. What are the potential implications of this proposal, assuming it does pass? If the proposal passes, it could lead to significant changes in U.S. border laws. However, the exact impact would depend on the specifics of the proposal. It could potentially affect immigration patterns, border security, and relations with neighboring countries. It's also worth noting that any changes would take time to implement, and their effects might not be immediately visible. Certainly a situation to keep an eye on. Now let's shift our focus to Louisiana, where Jeff Landry has been inaugurated as the state's 57th governor, and he's already making waves with his conservative agenda. Abby, our correspondent, is here to break down what we can expect from this new era of leadership. Abby, what are some of the key points from Landry's inauguration speech? Michael, Landry's speech was a call for unity and collaboration, but it also hinted at some of the conservative issues that have been hallmarks of his political career. He spoke about the need for an aggressive response to violent crime and for certain educational materials to be removed from public schools, a nod to conservative efforts to restrict access to some LGBTQ themed materials. He also expressed skepticism of mainstream climate science, suggesting a need to look beyond spoon-fed facts when crafting environmental policy. Interesting. So what are some of the specific policy changes we might see under Landry's leadership? Landry has a busy few weeks ahead. He plans to call a special session of the state legislature to redraw the boundaries of Louisiana's congressional and Supreme Court districts 
creating new Black-majority districts for both. He also wants to end the open primary system of elections. Additionally, he's planning a second special session to pass anti-crime policies. It's clear that Landry is eager to make his mark and reshape Louisiana's policies. And how is this shift in leadership being received in Louisiana? Is there any pushback? There's certainly a mix of reactions. Landry's conservative agenda is expected to pull Louisiana to the political right after eight years of leadership by the outgoing Democratic governor, John Bell Edwards. This shift is likely to be welcomed by some and resisted by others. However, both the incoming president of the Senate and the Speaker of the House have said that they plan to give committee chairmanships to Democrats, a move that could spark protests among conservatives who want the majority party to consolidate its power. It's certainly going to be an interesting time in Louisiana politics. Thanks for the insights, Abby. Absolutely, Michael. It's a time of significant change, and it will be fascinating to see how these shifts play out in the coming months and years. We'll definitely keep an eye on it. Now, as we wrap up our stories for today, we want to thank you for listening to Current Radio, and we look forward to bringing you more stories tomorrow.